Like, I won't just declare God's word together and say, I have been filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing the knowledge of God. See, as the word of God is coming forth, it is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. All right, amen. Let's start studying the word of God for today. There's something I began to teach about last time, talking about how change comes. Not only change in our personal lives, but change in the environment. You know, when uh, our brother Osas was leading prayer just now, there's something he kept on emphasizing. Number one, that statistics I'm hearing for the first time. It was overwhelming, actually, that there are, there are two million branches of churches in Nigeria. God in heaven. Do you need that many branches? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's good. It's just that it's interesting. I find it very, very interesting. He said over 20, 23,000 registered churches. My God in heaven. Now, the question now is that, why are things not exactly changed? Why are things not the way they are supposed to be? That is what comes to mind. It's a very valid question, actually, all right, which um, people should ask, that if many, you have that number of churches in your country, how come you do not have um, um, things different? It's a very valid question because things are supposed to be different if you have that number of people in an environment that... Um, all right, reflecting the name, the power of Christ in their lives. Like the Bible study we had in the morning, I remember one of the things, I mean, we came in a bit late, so made just part of it. But I remember us talking about the fact that we are the salt of the earth also, you understand? That is what goes on inside us. The meaning of being the salt of the earth, let me quickly explain that, okay? You know, what it, what it means is that what goes on in us affects the environment. Now, Jesus said something. Now, listen to these two things. He said, you are the light of the world, and he said, you are the salt of the earth. The expressions were different. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Two different expressions. He didn't say you are the light of the earth. I did not say you are the salt of the world. He chose his words carefully. You are the light of the world. The world refers to a system. The world refers to the way things are arranged. Let me give an example. How do we do, how is the educational system arranged? How is the health system arranged? How is the political system arranged? That is the world. How do people do businesses? How do businesses go on in the environment? That is the world. So you say you are the light of the world. You teach people how to run their families. You teach people how to run their businesses. You show people what God said concerning how to relate to one another. That is the meaning of being the light of the world. He now said also that you are the salt of the earth. What does that, what does that mean? Earth refers to the physical all right, environment we have. That is, you are the reason why, listen to this, natural calamities, natural disasters will not occur. You are the reason why rain will fall. You are the reason why the sun will shine. You are the reason why erosion will not carry away everything. You are the reason why there will be no earthquakes. That's what he was saying. That is, when the physical earth is going to be preserved, God always has a reason. And if there's going to be a problem upon the earth also, there's always a, pro- a reason. For example, there was a time the earth did not have salt. So for that reason, God flooded it and everybody died. 
So the earth was destroyed because it was lacking in salt. Let's look at Sodom and Gomorrah also. What, there was a time again that it was lacking in salt. So God came. He said, let me see all these sins that have been committed. And let me just say something to us believers. All right? I want to take a small digression now. You know, you know as I've, I've been a Christian for all these years. I've been a preacher also for this latter part of the years. I have realized in more recent years, all right, I'm cutting it to latter parts, in more recent times, I'm getting more to understand the importance of what I do. Do you understand? A lot of people don't realize it. Sometimes preachers, I've heard a preacher before, somebody was talking to them, somebody reported it to me. He said that you do four services in your church. Ha, is it three services? He said, for what? How, how much is your prophet's offering? I don't know whether you hear what I said. The pastor was looking like, man, you did try you. You preach four services or three services on a Sunday. How much is the offering that comes in with all of this labor that you are laboring? That him? No. <laughs> he does only one service or two services. He knows how much the prophet offering is. You that's doing three services, I hope your prophet's offering is enough to justify this labor. I've heard of people, churches in which they want to go and open branches. I say, which one is more viable? This really happened. I'm not exaggerating. They said, look, if we invest this amount of money in this area, churches actually calculate how much financial returns would the investment into the branch bring. I mean, these are people that have been inside there that showed us these things. That, okay, if you go and invest this amount of money in this particular part, how much offerings, how many people, what, what are they earning in that place? Even if you collect all the tithes, how much will it be? Now, what happens is that people don't realize the importance of what they are doing. It's like WHO. Is it WHO? What, yes, World Organization and UNICEF telling you that if you spend 15, uh, $50 million on vaccines in that area, what will it yield? Is that not foolishness? Is that $50 million on vaccines? Where? In northern Nigeria, northeast Nigeria? What is it going to cost? Is that not where Boko Haram used to be? They don't reason like that. What do they reason about? If we spend $50 million on vaccines, these are the small areas in the world in which, as of today, polio is still existing. So the aim is to eradicate polio worldwide. So they will spend millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in the poorest areas. Why? Their target is not how much money we bring back in. That's not the target. The target is how much of polio are we eradicating? So if they find an area that's difficult, and if you know the kind of thing they have, they have taken, in Pakistan, they were shooting people just for carrying the polio vaccine around. And Islamic militants will come and shoot you simply because you are peddling polio vaccine for free. But why do the world, the world system, WHO, still press? Because they have a goal in mind to eradicate polio. Polio is an interesting um, virus in that it is technically, well, logistically it's difficult, but the theoretical base of it is very easy. It doesn't mutate. Once you vaccinate somebody for it, the person is immune for a lifetime. If you vaccinate enough people in an environment, you kill the virus away, and it does not hide in any animal. It doesn't have any animal reservoir. The only person that carries it is human beings. So if you can get every human being immune to it after a while, there will be no polio virus again on the earth, and that plague will have been destroyed. For that reason, people go aggressively pushing the vaccine. People who don't believe in God, they spend money, say, let us wipe out this, vaccine, uh, this um, uh, virus from the earth. 
I'm talking about believers now. What is our duty as Christians? Like I was saying, I've looked look at what I do, I realize that it is the word of God that changes things. I have reasoned about, you know, like I was last Sunday when I was preaching here and in Enugu again yesterday when I was teaching, in fact, my last three messages or so since this year began, something that's been inside it that I have realized that God really has a problem. Now, when I say God has a problem, please get my point. He's all-powerful, but he has put some things in place by which things should be done. He has said, if I cannot find people to do things for me in an area, I wipe everybody there out. I destroy the whole place. How do I know? He went to Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham said, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? He said, Abraham, come, let's go look around. And they looked around. They couldn't find ten righteous people. So God said, what am I going to do? I'm going to destroy the whole place. God said, look, I, d- I looked for a man to stand before me, all right, to stand as an intercessor before me, between me and these people. I didn't find any. Therefore, I poured forth my indignation upon the land, upon the people. That is, anytime God can't find people to work with him, he has no choice but to pour forth his indignation. And listen, you know, some of the way we react to things, I, I mean, I try to be calm-headed. Because many of the things we are reacting to, it is, they happen because God could not find somebody to prevent it, not by shouting political noise, no, but spiritually to stand up and be the salt of that environment. Therefore, he put forth his indignation we are making noise. That is somebody you know, wrote us a message that ah, they came to Enugu and it was such a peaceful environment last Christmas that they didn't know what happened to Potakot. So yesterday, I think, was it Okimuti that was preaching? He said we are, that we should pray for, we have a program in Portaco coming about two weeks' time. He said, good, that let's continue preaching the word in the place. Peace will return. Now, some people will, will smile when you hear that, but actually, that is divine truth. There's a lot, Portaco will be a very beautiful place, everybody wanted to go there. But over the last few years, it's been a troublesome place. So what is the solution? APC, you sit down with PDP and negotiate? No. To, those who have inside said, what is the solution? Go there and start preaching the word in the environment. Until you are preaching truth in an environment, the change you desire will not come. After looking at the things going on in in our country, let me be honest with you, I'm more determined now, more than before, to preach harder. Now, listen to me. This, my preaching this year is going to even be more wicked than before. (laughs) What I mean by more wicked? If I see what is wrong, I will denounce it publicly. I don't care who will be offended. The time of being diplomatic has, has gone because the reason, like we were saying just now we are praying, okay, is that, why I need to do that is that, why are things, 20, 20 something, over 23,000 registered churches, over 2 million branches, and we can't fight corruption? We can't. Why? There's only one reason. There's nev- there's, there are not two reasons. One reason, the truth is not being preached enough. When it's not being preached enough, it will not be practiced. When it's not being practiced, the earth is not protected. The salt loses its savour. And when the salt loses its savour, listen, God says, this is what Jesus said, that there's no other use than for it to be thrown out and trampled upon by men. That is when the church becomes persecuted excessively and they collapse under persecution. Because God now gives them over and other religions will come and trample them over. It's the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can get emotional about it, but it's the word of Jesus. If we want the world, if we want our nation, if we want everywhere to become better, the only hope I have found is to preach the 
truth had. Listen to this. Threaten belief. No, you know, this gospel of, you know, our God is good, doesn't cause troubles. It's not a good gospel. It's too imbalanced. Our God is good, is correct. He doesn't punish people, that's a lie. He punishes unbelievers alone, it's not true. He punishes believers also. And we need to let them know he does it. I was listening to David Johnson. David Johnson said, anytime you see the power of God manifested, he said the standard of holiness is increased. He said sometimes we say, God, return your glory the way in the book of Acts. He said, relax before you pray that prayer too hard. He said, because remember Ananias and Sapphira. The little lie by today's standards, not just we didn't lie any lie. By today's standard, what did they say that's not correct? No, check, check it. Peter said, Peter was a hard man. You know why we are talking like this? Because we are today's Christian. When Peter just came with, having worked with Jesus for three and a half years, Jesus that did not lie, even when he spoke about things he did not know about, they were true. I don't know whether you are getting my point. <laughs> Jesus is sitting down here. He said, go to the river. You will find fish that has money in his mouth. Did you put the fish there? No. Did you put money in the mouth? No. That should have been a lie, in quotes, in quotes now. But Jesus, Peter went there. He found the fish and he found the money in his mouth. Not only did Jesus tell the truth about things he knew, he told the truth about things he was not supposed to know about. He saw a woman and said, you are not married. I agree with you, you are not married, my girl. You are not married. How can you be married when you divorce the fifth one? He said, the one you are living with now is not even your husband. Things he was not supposed to know about, when he opened his mouth to talk about them, they were true. He looked at a tree. It's a useless tree. Any life that tree had before, it disappeared. That was the circumstance under which Peter grew up in the last three and a half years. You now come and tell him that which was true. The one you are aware of, you now lie about it. Peter couldn't stand it. That was a standard of holiness that was now around him. So they said, give offering. It's not compulsory. You know, if it is now, we can understand why Ananias and Sapphira should lie. The pastor said, if the general salary is not complete, it's not the first fruit. So people say, we must eat now. So they will hide part of it and say, oh God, this is the first fruit. Say, is it complete? Ah, you say it's compulsory. Peter didn't say anything like that. He said to them, the land was your own before you sold it. After you sold it, the money was your own. You didn't have to bring it. Then you brought it and said, that land I had, I sold it all the money. By today's standards, my brother, my sister, that was not a lie. The other day, one of our sisters told me that in their church, they told the leaders, anytime pastor says, who wants to give five million, stand up. They said, ah, but we don't have that kind of money. He said, don't worry, you don't have to pay. Just stand up so that people will know that people are standing. Other people will now be incited to stand. And these were leaders. So I told the person telling me, I said, you're lucky you're telling me this today. Otherwise, I'll have made you pay that money. He said, I'm repenting. He said, they instructed us. I said, I agree with you. But I'm just saying you are lucky. It is today I'm hearing it. Otherwise, I'll be on your neck until you pay that money. Because the person stood up. If Peter enters that church, you know who's going to kill first, pastor. There are all the people standing. <laughs> now, you're getting the point I'm trying to make here, Nevi Johnson said that that's what happened. When the glory of God starts returning, the standard of righteousness 
that's demanded is very high. I'm saying something here. So when people don't preach the truth, the church can't practice it. If the church is not practicing the truth, the earth upon which they are walking does not feel the effect of their saltness. So I think about our country, a country like ours, <laughs> and I realize what the job I do, as far as I'm concerned, one of the most important jobs in Nigeria of today. Because, listen, people talk about democracy. Democracy has been best described by Fela Anikula Kokuti. Remember him? The musician. He said it's demonstration of grace. That's Nigerian English for madness. What is democracy? He says crazy demonstration. Everybody is crazy. <laughs> what I'm trying to say, democracy is not the pathway to prosperity. It's not. It works for America, it doesn't work, it has not worked for any other country. Every other country developed without democracy. So that is not how we are going to get the country to develop. It's not military dictatorship. It worked for South Korea, he didn't work for many other countries. It worked for Indonesia, it didn't work for many other countries. In Africa, it hasn't worked. It has not worked. So we can't say it's not democracy we need. We need a strong leader. We have had strong leaders all over Africa. Where did they lead us to? In fact, we have one very strong leader in Africa. His name is Robert Mugabe. That man is so strong, at the age of 90-something, he's still running for president. And it doesn't look like he's planning to retire. The man, that man is not planning to die in a long time. Anybody waiting for him to die, better, better forget it. That baba is not going anywhere. But the country has not developed under him. And I keep on preaching this, especially for African countries. Listen to this, a matter of truth. Africans, are, they have a special disadvantage. And their types scattered even in Asian countries are similarly disadvantaged. And what is it? They don't have a spiritual blessing carrying them. And God didn't bother to give them any spiritual blessing. Because he said, why bother to start sharing our blessing anymore? There was blessing on Shem. There was blessing on Japhet. Alright? But as for Ham, there was no blessing. The only thing was a curse. Why did you do that? Because it doesn't matter. What I have now done is to subject, I've made the blessing on Shem, on Japhet, inferior to the blessing in Christ. So what, is the, what are the descendants of Ham crying for? If they need blessing, they know where to find it. I have given them a blessing that's superior to every other kind of blessing. Now, why am I talking about it again today? So for the African, for people like them scattered in different parts of the world, they should understand that the only hope they have is the blessing that is in Christ. What am I saying? The hope for Nigeria is not democracy. The hope for Nigeria is not a strong leader. The hope for a country like ours is for the church of God that is inside it to rise up and preach the truth like never before and practice it like never before. We should modify our prayers. Our prayers have been too nice for a long time. There's something I keep on saying. I'm a pastor of a large church. I will bring Deuteronomy chapter 28 back up and show it to Christians. Blessed will you be in the field, Amen. If you defraud anybody this week, cost will you be in the field? Because Christians behave as if, no matter what they do, they lie to themselves. There are doctrines like that, that is covered by the blood of Christ. No, no. If you deliberately continue in sin, there is no sacrifice for such sins. 
What nonsense. If we don't preach this truth, like, you know, I, I began this by trying to say that this is how change comes. I was saying that change in our lives, but not only in our lives, but they are around us. Not only in our lives, but around us. If you see the roads spoiling anyhow, they, they make a road today, after a year and a half, it's all run down. It is because the salt has lost its savour. It's not primarily because of the contractor. It's not primarily because of the rain that's excessive for that season. It is because the salt has lost its savour. That's what God says. If you see Naira sliding against the dollar anyhow, it is not because of a mafialist policies that CBN governor. It does not be, they say it's utterances of the president. It's a lie. Those are not the reasons. The reason is simply because salt has lost its savour. If you find that the manufacturing is not picking up in the environment, if anything is not going well in Nigeria today, please, nobody, no Christian, should mention the name of the head of state. Because he is not the salt of Nigeria. He is not. Jesus said, ye are the salt of the earth. Ye are the light of the world. He was talking to his disciples. So if manufacturing does not pick up in the country, it's not the head of state's utterances. If power generation has not improved much in the last 12 months, it is not his fault. Things don't go well, it is definitely not his fault. It's like saying you are going on the road, a man is driving at 180 kilometers an hour, and one of his headlamps is not working, and it's night. And he has an accident, you say it's a tree that caused it. Why? He ran into a tree. How can it be the tree that caused it? If anything goes wrong, maybe, okay, someone says, you know, one of the things that make me laugh about Nigeria, they'll say that the accidents, is, all the accidents we cause is mainly because of bad roads. I say it doesn't make sense. If your roads are bad, what should you do? You drive slowly. So if you have an accident on bad road, it's driving, that's the problem. Because normally if the road is bad, Everybody should go gently. But when a man is doing the speed, if you've been to the United States, they have massive size roads, especially all right, in, their, on their, well, in some of their states. All right? A place like Texas, the roads are wide. Those are massive interstates, and they will tell you maximum speed, 100 kilometers an hour. You now come to Nigeria with narrow roads and potholes, you still want to be doing 140 kilometers an hour. You now say, bad road made you have accident. Please, does it make sense? The speed that a man with good road does not allow, you use it on bad road. You now say, that man had an accident and he died. Well, that's the problem in this country. The roads are bad. It's not the roads are bad. The drivers are reckless. What am I trying to say? If you find that things don't go well, the president, as far as God is concerned, is down the road in the course of things. He's like a bad road if things don't go well. The reckless driver is the Christian who is supposed to be the salt of the earth. That's what I'm talking about. Right now, in the body of Christ, we need people who know the truth and who will preach it, not for what they are going to get. Because that's what is lacking. That, no, that is what is lacking. That is what is lacking. That is what is lacking. You get up on a Sunday morning, go around 10 churches, you wonder, what are we gathering here to do? Israel was even telling us, come that people like to go to a church that they can name the big name that they are. Which church do you go to? You, name, you want to name a big name. I'm a member of a big name church. 
What do they preach? You don't care. What do they do? What, what, what does it concern me? I'm just a member. That's why God said, when I want to bless people, you know what I do? I send them pastors, shepherds after my heart, who will feed them with knowledge and with understanding. Jesus looked at the, at the, at the, 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 the people of Israel. He said they were like sheep without shepherds. People to teach them the truth. Because until you teach church the people of God, the truth, they can't practice the truth, and if they don't practice the truth, the environment can't change. You can't pray the environment into changing, even though we pray it all the time, but that prayer is being stored by God until he can use the prayer. That's what he does. There are prayers you pray, the Lord looks and says, Kai, Banki, Osas, you guys did try. I like that prayer you are praying, but I can't use it now. So you know what I'm going to do? You call an angel. Gather out their prayers, lock it up inside that box. It's like incense. We'll pour it onto the altar later. Right now, if I pour that prayer, it's not useful. They pray for their power sector is a good prayer. Good prayer. I, in fact, hear me, hear me. I have answered it. They say, Amen. Thank you, Lord. Where's the answer? Keep the answer in that box. Keep the prayer in the other box. When the time is ripe, pour that prayer on the altar. Pour the incense on the coal. And if you rise, then as it's rising, you will now release the answer. Just box everything. But now, if I release the answer, he said, Lord, why don't you release the answer? If I release it, they can't hold it. They will squander it. They will waste it. Why? They don't have the spiritual capacity to handle such blessings. They don't have. We're talking about how change comes into the environment, into our lives. Listen. He said, you are the salt of the earth. It means that the things we find going on around is a reflection of what the church is or what the church is not. I am convinced. I say it all the time. I am convinced. Listen. Fight from now to tomorrow. Raise 10 Buharis and 10 Nuhuribadus. If pastors stop, don't stop lying with the word of God, politicians cannot stop stealing money. It's a spiritual force. It's not as if they get up and say, let me go and steal. No. There is a spiritual force in the atmosphere that says, steal, steal. So put them there. They will steal it again. Arrest all the ones that stole before and lock them up. A new generation will come up and steal again. <laughs> That's the way it is. There was a day I was preaching. I meditated on something. Well, just I was talking. The way, you know, the way police used to shoot arm robbers. I didn't believe there should be armorers left in some places. But why do they still remain? I'll tell you. When you shoot a young man who's an armed robber, you know what happens? The spirit that's making him steal cannot be shot. So that boy dies. The spirit starts floating around looking for another person. So as long as the spirit is in the air, keep on shooting. You just keep on wasting your young men. And you just wonder, they don't seem to finish. They will have places where they thrive. But then let something happen. A spiritual manipulation occurs. And the spirit is driven away. One boy wanted to say, I know the thief again. He didn't give his life to Christ. Though. But the boldness to continue armed robbery will vanish from him. Or one gets shot, the spirit comes out of him and finds nowhere else to enter. You just see small, small boys who just return to digging gutters, carrying shovel. And petty stealing. They start picking pockets. The power to 
be violent in stealing will disappear from them. It's a spiritual atmosphere. And that, what I, that, that's what I'm going to explain again today. Is the church that creates it. It's the church that creates it. There's nobody else that has the capacity to create it. It's only the church. Believe me, this year, I said my job, I'm taking it more seriously than before. Because before, you know, I was talking about Nigeria. You reason, how can you get 170 million people to agree on anything? It's not possible. In fact, when you talk to the average person on the road, you realize why <laughs> it's only by the message of God anything has worked well. They distrust one another in a manner that is unbelievable. The Christians pray without hope. I mean, you know, there are things people blame the head of state for. You have to explain to them, say, oh boy, come. Look, look at the other time when the GO resigned. Everybody said they're making noise. Look at it. They are persecuting the church. Buhari now wants to weaken the church by removing his leaders. Why? Because that rule takes away every major leader of church, you know. It, I mean, every major leader, every single one. Even the one that appeared young. All the Obuelis and um, Pojoyemades that you think are young. Uh, what, is, what is his name? Um, Desta. All those people, they are going. Because they've been heading those churches, all of them, for more than 20 years. Everybody says, Buhari, yes, Buhari. Buhari woke up one morning, and when he heard his name, they said, oh God, they said, it is you. He said, who? He said, Gio, resign. He said, Menini Gio. That is, he doesn't even know who the Now, that's a joke. Are you getting my point? He doesn't even care. I mean, okay, they say it's your VP's pastor. Okay, ah, the papa on the express. He resigned. Why did he resign? He said, um, somebody here. Ah, why? Please, please, please. I don't want trouble. I don't want trouble. Please, fire that guy. Fire. <laughs> when, he, when he fired that guy in less than 24 hours, Everybody now kept quiet. Now, why am I talking about it? They had blamed him until that moment. In fact, that man should have just called the GSA guy, ah, you resign? Please, oh, please, oh, don't resign. Oh. Because he lost his job for that singular reason. Then everybody started cooking up all the evil he had been doing. I was reading different articles about the man. How he had overreached, or out, what did the lawyers call it? He had beyond reached and overreached and extra-reached himself gone beyond his boundaries. And they said, the man's been doing it. I was like, one day, a lawyer to one of these um, big churches said that, as far as he's concerned, that's not the reason why the GO resigned. GO is found another reason. That his lawyer should have told him that that law could not be upheld. That that, that rule could not be upheld. Now, why am I going through all of this talk? I'm talking about the amount of distrust we have. You sit down, tell this man, he didn't get the job. Why? He said, you know I'm not from their area. He doesn't know anything. No. His head is empty. When you tell the head, boom, 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 empty head. As far as he's concerned, that day when we started the interview, the, the chairman of the panel asked me, where are you from? I told him I was from um, um, Asaba. I said, okay. And I found out later, he's from this other part, and they hate Asaba people. Why? The man didn't notice. The man just simply felt you don't know anything. The amount, I've noticed it. The amount of distrust, the amount of hatred we have for each other, the amount of hatred the average person on the road, and especially the one that's most important, the Christian has for the country, is so terrible. There is no hope for progress. 
if it depended on us. That's why I was saying last time, whatever we have enjoyed is the mercy of God. It's God's mercy. But the message is, what about the way forward? Because God's mercy is interesting. God, please let me say it in a nice way so that people won't misunderstand me. God's mercy is different from grace. God's mercy is like this. It's like something that holds you until you repent of your faults and step into walking by grace. I don't know whether you get my point here. It doesn't hold like that persistently. It gives you time to repent. That's what mercy does. Mercy holds you while you rearrange yourself. Mercy holds you while you, you correct yourself, you learn truths, you learn how to walk. So if you want to depend on that mercy forever, after a while, God decides that this fellow is useless. What I'm going to say is that this mercy we are talking about is not something we just relax on and say, God's mercy, we continue misbehaving. That's why the Bible makes it clear that his mercy only endures on those that fear him. The concept behind that is that he keeps correcting them, they keep repenting. When they say the righteous man falls seven times and the Lord raises him up, it doesn't mean that the righteous man falls on the same spot seven times. What it means is that the righteous man has many areas in which he has faults. So he will stumble, the Lord will raise him up, he corrects him. Then goes to the next area. He stumbles. The Lord raises him up. He corrects him. I mean, if David killed another Uriah, God would not have listened to him. That first Uriah you kill, and that Bathsheba is the last. Is the very last. David gets it clear. So David carefully repented, sharp, sharp, on the matter of Uriah. If he said that good, the mercy of God is good, though. Who's the other one? Ah, say that one. <laughs> we have Bathsheba now. Who's the other woman that's passing there? Say, collect her, kill her husband. What will happen? It's not, Nathan will come back now and rebuke us. We will kneel down again and pray and say, Lord, we are sorry. If David had tried that, it would have been called mocking God. <laughs> so as soon as he learned his lesson, with all his suffering, with Raya and Bathsheba's case, that was it. He was not allowed to stumble in that area again. The righteous man stumbled seven times. The Lord raising him up doesn't mean the man continues on the same fault again and again and again and again. No, God is not like that. After a while, he says, an unprofitable servant. Four years on the same matter. Kill that guy. What am I saying? So we've been enjoying his mercy. His mercy is not so that we can stay on one spot forever. His mercy is so that we'll have enough time to be corrected. His mercy is so that we'll have enough time to become exactly what he wants us to be. That's what his mercy is about. So what is the hope for the future? That's what I'm talking about. It is when the church now gets up. It's shepherds, they get up. And they start teaching the truth. And they start practicing it. That is how the environment starts changing. If they ask you what is the hope for corruption in Nigeria, give them one name. Tell them it's called the Church of Christ. What is the hope for industrialization of the country? It's just one name, the Church of Christ. What is the hope for the educational system in Nigeria? It's just one name, the Church of Christ. I don't mean that they will build industries. That's why pastors make a mistake. mistake. You see pastors say that our members should join politics. You know, when they say it, even though I believe very strongly that politics is one of the fields of life that God wants Christians to be in. Just like he wants Christians to be teachers in schools. He wants Christians to be doctors. He wants Christians to be policemen. He wants Christians to be government officials. I mean, civil servants. He wants Christians to be parents. He wants Christians to be musicians. He wants Christians to be everything. 
In the same way, he expects Christians to also be involved in politics. But many times when pastors talk about it, that's not what they mean. They mean we'll form a powerful voting block. They mean we'll sponsor our own candidate. This was preached on the pulpit. That listen, what the church should be doing, we'll look at somebody like Osas and say, Osas, you are the next governor. And we'll put all our money together and make sure he wins the seat. And then after that, the contract for the roads we collect. The contract for the schools we collect. The contract for collecting revenue we collect. Why? We put him there. He's our person. This was preached on the pulpit with thousands of people in attendance being recorded. I said, this is ignorance that Christians don't understand that this is not how God operates. Many times when pastors tell you that Christians should be important, that's what they mean. They mean voting time will tell our church members who to vote for. Nonsense. Nonsense. It doesn't mean that I will say just because you're a Christian I must vote for you. No. We have voted for Christians before in Nigeria. We have seen it. The person, I mean, many of the good things that has been done in our country of today, I will mention a few. They were not necessarily done by those who profess to be Christians. When Fashola took Lagos and turned it around, the man did not profess to be a Christian. His predecessor, Borat Inobu, who helped him generate money that he used, was, didn't say he was a Christian. Abuja is a very beautiful city in Nigeria today. When our president then, Olusha Gnobasanjo, wanted to beautify Abuja, he asked Atiku, he said, find me a madman. He didn't ask for a Christian. He said, any man who is mad is what I want. Because we heard that story when um, Erufai insulted Atiku then. And so you know the way reporters would be. Reporter said, okay, the man resorted, what do you think? He said, don't worry. Let, I got him the job as FCT minister. And the criterion, the, the, what they wanted, the, 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 the characteristic that was needed was madness. <laughs> I read the papers. The Obasanjo looked at Abuja and said, look at what has become of this our beautifully designed city. Because he knew when they designed these things those days. He said, I need it cleaned out. He said, I need a crazy man who can do this job. So he called Atiku. He said, please, can you find me a crazy man who will, who will clean out the city for me? And Atiku looked and said, please, I have one crazy man. His name is Nasiru Erufai. Nasiru Erufai came and beautified Abuja for us. He did not claim to be a Christian. He demolished churches. He demolished mosques. He demolished houses of sitting Supreme Court justices. Demolished federal government buildings. Why? He said, I have a master plan. Let me quickly pray, pray a side prayer for you. May everything that's not in God's master plan be demolished out of your life. <laughs> your life will be beautiful. So the man did not claim to be a believer. People have been insult- they are insulting to the back right now. Why? He goes to church if he's in Lagos. The man is a very funny human being. <laughs> if he's in Lagos on Sundays, he goes to church. He will go to the Nebuchadnezzar's church. Yeah. So pastors are now angry with Nebuchadnezzar for not talking to him. <laughs> but I normally keep quiet on what I don't know. Now what I'm trying to say here. So you see, many of the good things, I mean, even our governor in our state where, in, in Enugu, everybody says, oh, your state is beautiful. Which church did he go to all these days he was governor? Was he going to church? 
At least it, was not, it doesn't claim to be a born-again Christian. That's what we're setting off. So you see, it's not about Christians joining politics so that God can use them. Listen, God can use Cyrus. You must understand something about political power. Political power, when you enter it, your life is not your own again. God can wake you up in the morning and say, come, wake up. You wake up and say, give me that your brain. Twist it upside down. Yeah, sit down. Do what I say today. Things he will not do to you in your normal life, he does to you when you are in political power. That's why he chooses people according to what he wants to do. There are things he doesn't want to use some people for. So he won't choose that person. But say, I've made up my mind, this is what I'm doing. This fellow cannot refuse. And the one he wants to be stubborn and refuse, God removes his neck, gets another person, and replaces. So we are not looking, listen, listen. The development of a country is not when you get a good Christian to be the leader. That's not true. That's not true. God knows how he uses people. Listen, God uses people. So I'm not emphasizing that. So when we preach, pastors sometimes preach, they say Christians join politics. Please, I, I hear it in their voices. It's like we need to have the ability to vote. That's it. They, they, we, we need to be able to talk to ourselves. Can we come together, that's Christian Association of Nigeria, and present their own candidate? That, those are ungodly methods for getting good things done. Yes, Christians should join politics, but not for these reasons. They should join politics because, yes, God wants to use people inside there. And he has things for his own people to do inside there. And most importantly, what he wants his people to do in politics is to go and teach people how to be politicians. That's number one job he has for Christians. Go in there and show people how to be politicians. That's what it means to be the light of the world. It means you go in there, you will be the one to show to people what it means to be a politician. Like one brother who came to see me once, he came to our office, came to buy some materials, tapes and books and all of that, many years ago. He now heard that I was inside. He said, well, whether he could see me. And he said, why not? So we sat down and talked for over an hour. It was interesting talk that day. He was a politician at a small level. But the stories he told me showed me the power of God. He said, once the Lord appeared to him in a dream, I don't know, sent an angel to him, and said, you will be the, the local government counselor in your area, next election, go and buy a form, contest for the post. Ah. He woke up in the morning and went and bought the form. And again, he had the revelation one day. And in that revelation, they said, this is how you are going to collect your votes. You will do this, you will do this. He said, you know, look, you know, counselor, it's just his own, um, the few words around. That day, he took a bike. Somebody was riding, he was at the back of the bike. He was going from polling booth to polling booth, collecting copies of the results. It's not strategy. You see what I'm going to say in a moment. But that was the strategy God gave him for that day. Winning was because God determined it. Election announced with all the attempts at rigging him out because he was not popular amongst the political elites in that their local area. The guy won. He became a counselor. Now this is what I'm talking about. He was so good that everybody said next time he will be our local government chairman. He was a good Christian. All the things politicians would normally do, he did not do. He represented his people well. That was why they said, oh, so you can have a person like this. So next time, say, no, he's going to be the next local government chairman. Young man. Then while he was, talking, while he was thinking about it, he had another dream. And the Lord said, forget it. <laughs> ah, he woke up and said, no, this one is the devil. He said, forget it. The Lord said, forget that thing. His friends came to him and said, we have found how to get these things done. 
there's one man that does juju somewhere. That the man does for, he mentioned, they mentioned one of the most powerful politicians in the East. That that's the man he uses. Let's go and meet him. He told them, I am a Christian. I don't go to Babalawo's houses. So they left him. Then they came back after a while and said, well, I found a pastor that will do the pray." This time around, he couldn't argue with them. But the Lord was teaching him a lesson. So the Lord was looking at him like this. No problem. Go. He did everything. The Lord told him in a dream that anything you like, do. You will not win that election. He was telling me this himself. That what happened was that that day, the elections held, landslide victory for him. He got most of the votes. You know God is in heaven, amen? amen? God said, no problem. She have told this boy, do anything you like. The Lord was watching. Last minute, before they could declare him winner and hand over to him. You know this is not local government politics. Bigger politics was happening. Who will be the next governor? Are you getting my point? And the governor then was looking to return to his seat in the next elections. So he was doing his manipulations. So he went to one of the most powerful politicians in the state. So that one said, look, you are short of my support. There's no problem. There's only one issue. There's only one issue. I need one of my boys to be the chairman of your local government in that area. (laughs) Did you hear that? The governor got up and used one backhand method, canceled the election that this young man won, free and fair, and installed somebody else in his seat. People started rioting and, you know, noise. Everybody went to government house. He knew what had happened. He kept his mouth shut. He didn't say a word. The governor today, there's no... You know the way it is, local politics. They could not do anything. Why? Because the good law said to him, do everything you want. You're not entering that city. So he prayed. And one day the Lord revealed to him that your next assignment in life, go back to school. That man at that time had not gone to, to higher institution. I said, go and buy jam for my read book. When he was talking to me, he was a law student. Now, are you getting my point here? Now, why, why, why I told his story is that the, major, the number one thing that God wants Christians to do, example in politics, is not to go and enforce Christian laws. God can get that done anyway. Let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you something about the Lord. This is, as we are walking about, in fact, maybe one day you should walk at night. Hmm? Just walk around at night and start talking to the Lord and say, Lord, I know I'm not around, I'm not alone here. I know you, your angels are walking in front of me, walking behind me. Every footstep you hear is not a human being. No. It's not every footstep you hear that's a human being. People used to think that, um, that um, Adam and Eve stumbled into things. They did not stumble. Angels taught them how to cook, taught them how to mine, taught those men how to do things. They were not the first occupants on the earth. Angels were living here before they came. Let's not go there. What I'm trying to say is that God can, God can send, an, send an angel to somebody. An angel will cock a gun in his head. Write a new law. The Lord said, write a new law. If you don't write that law, I will shoot you and I'll kill you. And that's, I'm, I don't mean that's a joke. He said, how do, how do angels do that? The man will just wake up with chest without painting him. And the angel will just sit in front. Say, what's happening? I'm, that's me killing you. If you don't obey the Lord. This seat belongs to the... You read, you read the Bible for him. The heavens rule in the affairs of man. All right? You are here because God appointed you. 
Are you going to listen? If you won't listen, see what he did to Nebuchadnezzar. We, sometimes we talk as if God is afraid of Buhari. God is afraid of Islamic rulers. He's not. History has now shown us that some of the things that God did with Abacha in this country, nobody else will have the power to do it. The last bank that collapsed in Nigeria collapsed before Abacha. Go and check it. The next one that Savannah Bank was not distressed. They just they locked it for whatever reason. But the days of banks just closing and everybody going away with people's money, it ended with Abacha. Abacha just said it won't happen again. For those who don't know, Abacha was a person God used to elevate Asurok beyond any other throne in Nigeria. Let's, we have many things to say. We can't sit down that one again. So, you see, the Lord is not afraid. The primary reason why he sends Christians, say, you be a politician, is number one reason. Go and teach them politics. Go there, don't swear oaths, don't backstab anybody. They say politicians talk with two sides of the mouth. Say, you talk with one mouth and talk straight. Do you know? Look, let me give an example. You know, American election, Donald Trump. You know, one of the things that God did with Donald Trump, of course, by August, prophecies were out in the open that Donald Trump would be the next the person who prophesied the Sadhu Savaraj. He said he saw it in heaven that Donald Trump is winning that election. Even when Donald Trump was behind in the polls. But one major thing that God did with Donald Trump is this. He taught Americans that everything they believed about politics was a lie. Obama was, which was one reason why I personally didn't like Hillary Clinton. Those people did not believe in telling the truth. They believed in saying what you wanted to hear. And everybody said this is how politics would be. Donald Trump came and did the exact opposite. Even he, in my own opinion, I may be wrong about what I'm about to say, even he did not think he was going to win. The man said the whole thing almost like a joke. I'm sure he was surprised when he won the presidential primaries for the Republican Party because he did everything wrong. He insulted women, things that Americans say if you do, you never make it in politics, he did. They released tapes of him talking nonsense about women. He said, I won't pull out of the race, he did not. He insulted a man for being a Mexican. Racism, forget it. He mocked a crippled man. Now, I'm not saying these things are good, but the man did everything wrong. He said he would build a wall. Which even me thought it was silly, that was joking. But now I realize that the guy is not joking. He said, I will make Mexico pay for it. It sounds so silly, right? Nobody's saying it's silly anymore because they now realize that there are different ways to make Mexico pay for the war. So everybody's quiet now. This man did everything wrong. And as a result, he won the election. You know what that means? Now, Americans can start demanding of their politicians to tell the truth. I'm just a minute. Say what's in your mind, eh? Doesn't mean we'll kill you. <laughs> if you are racist, come out and say I'm racist. We won't vote for you, but you won't die. But the error of lying to get everything, Donald Trump just showed them that it was not necessary. He showed a man like Obama that God, God said, if I appointed you to be president, you didn't have to do the things you did. You didn't have to paint White House in the color of homosexuals just to prove that you're on their side. Why are you on the side of the minority and you're not on the side of God? Not even the majority now. 
Look, that's what God is doing. Listen, listen. Because we're talking about the environment changing. He's not changing anything unless the people he really calls the salt of the earth are going to change. That's how change comes. Change does not come. Hey, have I read my Bible at all? I haven't. <laughs> the Lord is good. I know, don't worry. I will continue. <laughs> I'm about to finish preaching. Change does not come, listen, by itself. No. It's not because the earth gets, gets tired of being bad. It is now become good. There's time people say that we have gone down so low that any other way we go now, it has to be up. It's not true. If we are still here, we can still go lower. Yeah, yes. Change only comes because people take hand, they, they decide to take the hand of the Lord and say, Lord, change things for us. And God says, ever since the days of the Lord Jesus, the instrument I have for change on the earth is the church. Like I said to you, I have decided to take my own work more seriously than before. Because until the experience I had in December, when I say experience now, nothing personally happening to me, but just talking to people. (laughs) I did not realize how behind we were in what God wanted to do. And when I say, I don't mean physically, I mean, God said, listen, if my people are like this, Banky, you know I can't bless anybody. And me, I said in my heart, Lord, I perfectly understand. If my people are like this, you know anything you guys have enjoyed so far, it was just extra dose of mercy. And in my heart, I thought, I said, Lord, I perfectly understand. So I tell everybody, I said, now you understand that God has a problem. When I say God has a problem, not a personal problem. Just means he said, I want to bless these people, but they won't have it. He said to Jerusalem, how I wanted to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. He said, but you won't have any of it. For that reason, your house is left to you desolate. That's what God is saying. I want to, come on, what are you people praying about that I have not done before? Prosperity. I rain prosperity from heaven. That one is not even a hard. You know, it's the easiest thing. I just, it will just fall. I can move $200 billion worth of investment into your country in, in, in 12 months. It's not a hard thing for me to do. But I can't do it now because you people are not able to handle it. So what is the way forward? You don't have generational blessing as a group of people. What is the way forward? The only blessing that's available for you to tap into is the one that is in Christ. And it's a superior blessing. And those who, have, who claim that they have believed, they are not working according to what they believe. One major reason why they are not working according to what they believe is that they are not being taught enough. That, that's one major problem in Nigeria today. Many people, look, what we, those 23,000 churches you are talking about, I can assure you of one thing, 19,500 19, were set up for independence sake. I want to be on my own. This is how to have control of money. That's why pastors fight over members. I've never understood why anybody fought over members because members are people you minister to. Who was fighting on who to minister to? But what did they fight over members? They are people you collect from. So many churches have started so that they can collect. People told me then, why don't you turn your ministry to a church? I said, why do I want to do that? What I want to do is just go around teaching the word of God. They said, no, 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 no. If you don't do like that, they won't give you money. I said, so I will gather people on Sunday so I can collect their money. 
Is that not wickedness? I heard this counsel again and again. I said, so these are evil reasons. So I saw churches leaving different places to come and start branches in Lagos. Why? There's money in Lagos. So as they are ministering to you, <laughs> they are checking your pocket. So which pastor started doing something? I know one man said in their church, they told him, if a bank manager comes to your branch, you send his money, to, sorry, you send his name to headquarters for follow-up. And within a few months, they promote him to be deacon. They bring him to headquarters for ordination. He said, when you give him a title, he won't go away. What qualified him is a bank manager, and he earns a lot of money. I don't need to tell you if he's an oil worker. There's a special register where they will put the names of people like that. The man saying this was a big pastor in that church. He finally got tired and he left. So with 23,000 registered churches, God said, <laughs> if only 10% of them will preach the truth and 10% of the people hearing them will practice it, the earth you are working on will have felt the effect. Please listen, for us believers, our, our life now, now, it's not me, even though I preached it before, it's now I'm understanding it more than before, how important I am as a person. Not because I'm banky or whatever, but as a child of God. And each individual one amongst us, that's how important we are. That we can pray from now till tomorrow. Pray and God will say, no problem. More prayers. Gather the angels. Angels, no problem. Bring the prayers. Gather them here. I have heard. Say, good. Where are they? Where's the answer? Pack the answers over there. What do we now do? Keep them in the shelf until the time that they can handle the answers. So, Lord, what do you do? Meanwhile, you go out and go and convert your brethren. Talk to your brethren. This is not the way of the Lord. Talk to your brethren. This is not the way of the Lord. This is the way of the Lord. Then pray. He said, ask the Lord to send laborers into the harvest field. Pray for me to confirm that word I said in Jeremiah chapter 3, that I will send you pastors after my heart. Because until I change the hearts of a critical mass of people, I can't change your environment. I can't. David Paulson said they actually commissioned, I think, Reader's Digest study or something. They did a study and found out that the critical mass needed in that area. Now, I'm going to modify it to make it easy for me to explain. I don't want to just quote him verbatim alone. But they found out that if the number of practicing Christians are less than 5% in an area, that 5%, evil takes over the place. And it began, began to give facts and figures. That evil takes over the place. What is he trying to say? That if you find a university like Venice University here, because I can change the whole system, it's easy. I push in and ensure that 5% of their lecturers are righteous people. I try and move it to 10. If I get that done, bam, watch it, I drive evil out of the place. But the matter the prayer, the students pray. If I can't get that critical mass, I hold the blessing, I answer it, but I hold it, but I can't pour it in. Why? They can't receive it. If I pour it in by force, they kill them. So when they pray like that, God says, okay, what I'll do, just simple, just like we're praying earlier on, pray for revival. Pray that the knowledge of God will become, you know, hot again in the place. Pray that the, the word of God will be preached. Pray that people will believe. Then I start exhorting those who have believed. And that's how salt works. Anytime you have a pot of soup, the amount of salt inside is small compared to the whole pot. 
But that salt must be pure. That's what Jesus is asking for. No, the whole country is not going to become a Christian. He knows. He's not even thinking about that. Even he said it. That I wish all men would be saved. His wish. <laughs> all men will not be saved. He knows. He said, but you are the salt of the earth. That salt must have a critical mass. But my message this morning is to those who claim to be believers. To realize that <laughs> now it's not about what do I get for my life of righteousness. No. It is I can't afford to lower my standard. It's affecting the ground upon which I'm walking. That's, that's my message today. I can't afford it. If I walk into, if I'm a politician and I walk into the political arena, even if it means I will be fired from that place, even if it means that people will ostracize me, I must stick with my standard of righteousness because it's the only hope. It's not my preaching. The preaching is good. That's another area. But my practice, I must just stand there and say, no, we're going to do, we're going to bribe all the, the electoral officials. So they will, get, they will give us the papers. We will write our results. I just said to them, no. Why not? It is the wrong way to do it. Who told us the wrong way? The Lord is the one that appoints leaders. Come on, this is not a church. I am a Christian. I know it's not a church, but I am a Christian. And I cannot be a Christian at home and not be a Christian in this political party. I'm sorry. Look, this guy is not serious. We're not going to do business with him. So what do we do? Come on, campaign against him. The primaries is losing. And then this interesting part, lose the primaries. Don't worry about it. You have won that victory. People don't understand. They think victory is when they carry your hand up and say, hey, this is our brother won the election. No, no. The victory is that it got to the time that you were supposed to bow for what you will get. You say, I will not bow. I say, good. You can go. You can go. Your job here is done. Your job here is done. I don't need you here again. So next you know you've lost all the power in the political party. Nobody reckons with you again. But your job there is done. What you don't notice is that one young man is watching from afar. Another young person is watching from afar. And they say, ah, so people really can trust God like this? Because if that is the person I actually want to use, not you. Just watch. One day, that God raises that person for a higher position. And they want to negotiate on Regan. He said, no. And by that time, God has hooked them in the neck. This is the most powerful person. We can't lose him. And he says, sorry, if I'm the flag bearer, nobody is getting involved in thuggery and rigging. They will rig us out, let them rig us out. Righteousness must stand. Because they watch me deliver power to him. Where did they get that from? From one stand you made 15 years ago, which you lost your seat for. Because that's how I affect the environment. Christians want to go and preach. Say, no, 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 go and practice righteousness there first. He wants to do it in the realm of business. I've talked about politics. I want to do it in every area, in government office. Ah, sometimes I say Christians. <laughs> you know, every day we have opportunity to shine, but we lose it. They don't pay salaries for three months. We gather with the unbelievers and sit down. This government is useless ever since they came into power. We knew we're not going anywhere. We're all dead. Kill us. Yes, yes, useless. No, what is, is this the change we voted for? Hey. And Christians talk. They, they did not come tomorrow and say, give your life to Christ. Why? Is your Christ different, different from my Muhammad? Look at the way both of us are talking. We are talking the same, the, the, the same way. But if Christians stood there and say, they say, ah, no, what, 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 they are not even present. They say, hey, God will see supply, but these are our people, they are waiting. We have to serve people. 
It's not their fault that the boss hasn't paid. Come, let's do our work. That's all God is. Oh God, I wish people would understand. When God went through Sodom and Gomorrah, trying to count 10 righteous people, before I thought he was looking for those who were praying, Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, iniquity, will not stand in Sodom and Gomorrah. No. He was just looking for those who will say, Barack Obama is wrong. Marriage is between a man and a woman. That's all. That's what it was. That was what he wanted to count 10. He wanted to count people who, who just watch and say, hmm, Did you see that judge? He just ruled against that man just because he's not from our place. When he knows he's a stranger and he's collected his cattle, he's collected his horses. This is wickedness. So. He marks him as one of the righteous people. That's what he was asking for. And he went through Sodom and Gomorrah and a few other cities around there and could not find 10 people who said evil is evil. He couldn't find. That's why Christians must understand. It's not about all this, um, like Okemote was preaching on radio today as we were coming. He said, you, <laughs> you are fasting. You continue your iniquity, say you are fasting. That is not fasting. <laughs> Just because you are hungry. All the lies you are telling, you are still telling it because you have not eaten. He said, that's not fasting, that is starving. People don't realize it. Christianity is, look, if you know how, what God is counting, Barack Obama will just sponsor all the American, do whatever he did in America to say, a, a man can marry a man. Love is love. God just says, yeah, as a Christian, just say, no, it's not true. Say, no, it's not true. Why? Because he that made them, made them male and female. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and be joined to his wife is a woman. He that made them, made them male and female. And stand for it. Say it publicly and don't be afraid. You will lose friends, you will lose political office, you will lose promotion. Say it publicly. God said, that's what I'm counting. But he couldn't fight. Are we going to move forward as a nation? God says, I don't have a problem with your nation. I have a problem with my people called the church of God in that country. If the nation will move forward, it will be because the church is moving forward. Don't ever forget it. These are people that have no other blessing to lay hold on apart from the one that I brought in Christ Jesus. The Jew has a blessing from Abraham. The Arab neighbors, many of them, because they are, you know, that area is a mixture of people. There are Ishmaelites there. They are descendants of all kinds of people in that place. Some of them are descendants of Abraham. Some of, a lot of them are descendants of Abraham too, by other wives. So they can tap into some blessings. There are those who have all kinds of blessings scattered here and there. So through them I drop things on the earth. We look at your continent, guys. <laughs> the only blessing you have is actually that's the good side of it. Is a superior one. Is the one in Christ. You want it, you have to walk worthy of it. That's how change comes in the environment. Let's bow our heads to pray. I think I've spoken enough for this morning. Let's thank the Lord for the truth of his word. Let us thank him for the truth of his word. Say, Lord, like that song goes, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Tried, is it? Tried and tested, and holy. Tried and true. Let me be a living sanctuary for you. Say, Lord, I want to be a living sanctuary for you. I want to be the agent of change.
I want to be the change agent. So Lord, I realize it. My life, every decision I make, is not just about me. It's not just about my family. No, it's not just about my own personal progress. It's about the effect I have around. It's about the land, the earth I'm stepping on. It's about industrialization in my environment. It's about good health care. It's about a good political system. Just by me saying no to unrighteousness and yes to righteousness. I'm affecting these things. Say, Lord, thank you for using me. I yield myself. Use me. Use me. For your own glory. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Father, we give you thanks. Lord, like I say all the time, let these words lift us up to where we are supposed to be. And let it never stand against us in the time of judgment. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. Amen. Amen.